History Notes. Welcome to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. History Notes reports on the people, places, monuments, and events that have shaped our society. Sometimes we examine what has occurred long ago, and at times we look at history happening now. Grab a pad, a pen, or a digital device and get engaged with History Notes. Good day, everyone. This is Rodney Dawson, Curator of Education at the Greensboro History Museum. Welcome to our latest edition of History Notes. And uh, today we are joined by Sam Smith, not the artist, or maybe the artist, <laughs> but maybe not the one you're thinking of. You don't have a Grammy, do you? No, I wish I did. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. It would indeed. <laughs> but you do work hard for the city of Greensboro. I do. And you're the program's assistant for the uh, Greensboro Public Library. Which branch? Uh, the Vance Chavis Library. The Vance Chavis. How, yes. how long have you been there? I've been there for two years. I just had my anniversary in October. My anniversary with Greensboro was in September. Hey, nice. Yeah. You know what? I believe we met. I believe we were in an orientation class together or we, something with, with Brian. We may have been, yeah. Yeah, or something. Probably. I'm sure we were. And as well, well, uh, so you work over at Vance Chavis Library, mm-hmm. and uh, you're here as a guest on History Notes, and people are probably going to think we're going to talk about books. <laughs> but that's not the case. We had a discussion because you and your branch manager, mm-hmm. came, Brandon, came to visit the Pieces of Now exhibit. Yeah. Uh, it was been about a month and a half ago. Just about, yeah. And we had a conversation, and um, you were so impressed with me, you wanted to be mm-hmm. on the show. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> So what did you think of the exhibit? Oh, it was amazing. It was really, really, um, it was super cool to like have things put in context in a way that I hadn't really considered before. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you go to a history museum and you see like a curio box of like a petticoat or something like that. And it doesn't really connect with you that that is something that a person wore. That's something that a person lived in. At least it didn't for me until I saw a curio box of a uh, of like clothes that protesters were wearing mm-hmm. the day of the um the day of the days of some of the protests here in Greensboro like it didn't it didn't click for me kind mm-hmm. of until that moment that like not only is a history museum a collection of pieces from a time period it can be a collection of like the title of the exhibit suggests pieces of now right exactly like, it's it's it was really an experience well, you should have been in on the conversations when we were coming up with the name. I didn't come up with it. I believe it was uh, my colleague, Glenn. Mm. Uh, however, it would be pleasing to uh, their ears if they were here, uh, hear you say what you just said. Because yeah. that, that was the goal. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. A collection of pieces of now. So before we get into it, I want, do want to ask this. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm, are you from here? Yeah, yeah. I'm originally born and raised Greensboro. Um, okay. I was born in Wesley Long. <laughs> All right. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, I'm Sam. I use they, them pronouns. Okay. Um, and I went to college for journalism. Um, I left uh, left the state for that, lived in Georgia for a little bit, and then um, came back up here because most of my support network is uh, here in Greensboro. Um, and I just wanted to be closer to my family and friends, so I came back up here. All right, and eventually took the job two years ago. Yeah, working with the with the Greensboro Public Library, mm-hmm. which the museum falls under. Yes, the library's department. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why we have that connection, and it was important for the uh, library's director to send her staff. Yeah, to check out that exhibit, which we really appreciated. So mm-hmm. uh, you're a native, you're a Gate City person. Yes. And so that's good because you have a deeper perspective than someone that may not be from here. Mm. Uh, what do you think? And I'm talking about Greensboro mainly. Right. What do you think is important for a community to have or to deem important 
in order to live together successfully. And I'm talking about people from different demographics, different ethnicities. What's important for for us to function together successfully? Right. Um, I would say compassion and understanding, um, empathy, especially mm-hmm. when you're dealing like with relationships between people who don't have the same background. Mm-hmm. Um, and more than that, um, systems that work for the members of a community rather than against them, Okay, I think is what's probably most necessary. All right. Now, how do you identify yourself? Um, I am a non-binary individual. Um, so, um, I don't identify as a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, and this is different for every non-binary person, for me, I feel like I fall somewhere in between those two points, um, okay. on a graph. Um, and there are gender existences outside of that and inside of that and all throughout. Okay. Um, but for me personally, like, I just, I feel like I am neither a man nor a woman. So I use they, them pronouns. Okay. Now, have have you always felt that way? Or is this a, something that's come about in the latter part of your life? So for me, like, I didn't have a, I didn't have the vocabulary to express that okay. until I was um, closer to adulthood. Um. I didn't like I've always felt the way that I feel, you mm-hmm. know, I've always felt like not really identifying like with girlhood or womanhood. Mm-hmm. And I don't really feel like I'm a guy either. So like for a while, it was a lot of exploring and trying to understand, OK, like, what does that even what does that mean then? And then I came across sort of like because we live in an Internet age, like I came across the existence of other non-binary people and um, came to understand like, oh, that's me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it was a big, uh, it's very affirming to kind of like, some people don't like labels and I generally don't. Um, but to know that there are other people like you, right. that you're not the only one is incredibly affirming and comforting. I, I can understand that. I've walked into, I'm an African-American male, mm-hmm. those can't tell, but I've walked into a space and been the only African-American right. male. And as soon as I identif- identify someone else that may be African-American, I get a sense of, it puts me at ease mm-hmm. somewhat. And uh, so I understand where you're coming from, uh, which leads us to, we, we met in Pieces of Now. Yeah. And you made a comment that uh, struck me and I said, I need to have you on as a guest. <laughs> um, because um, before I get to that, let me ask you this. With what you've done in your young life, because mm. I can look at you and tell you, you're obviously younger than I am. Right. Uh, but uh, that doesn't limit you from, you probably accomplished a great deal. But with the activities of your life and your work that you do, um, what have you done or what would you like to do to help achieve that community that I asked about earlier? Yeah. So um, I have been working in public libraries for two and a half years now. Um, and when you work in public libraries, you are obviously working with the public. And even more than that, you're often working with people of marginalized communities. Mm. Um, so, um, I, my primary place of work, Vance Chavis library is a small community library that serves an underfunded area of Greensboro. Mm -hmm. Tell us where it is. Uh, it's in East Greensboro. It's right next to Ray Warren homes. Gotcha. Um, and it's, a in that area of Greensboro is mostly an African-American population. Mm -hmm. Um, So like 
by being there, by doing what I do, when you talk about libraries, like, you think about, oh, you check out books and you help people find books. And, like, yeah, that's part of my job. But most of my job is actually um, helping people with technology. Um, so people coming in and needing help on the computer, they mm -hmm. need to find a form or they need to apply for a job or they need to send right. an email and they've never done that before. They don't have access at home or they don't um, know how to use that technology by themselves. Um, so what I'm doing every single day is um, helping people who are underserved navigate technology that they wouldn't have access to otherwise. Um, that's why the library is there is for is for access is for information services you know people don't understand that i didn't truly understand it so until i took the job at the museum mm -hmm. because we work so closely with the library have meetings together uh collaborate together quite yeah. often i started to see you do affect a lot of marginalized underrepresented yeah. uh, undervalued communities especially in covid 19 oh yeah with the um, technology gap that mm -hmm. exists between uh, the disparities that exist between different demographics. Oh, it's huge. I see it every single day. Okay. Um, so, like, things that you don't necessarily think about, like computers, like printers, um, scanners, sending emails, doing research, um, creating resumes. Like, these are all things, like, you can't function in today's society without access to a computer, at least at some point. Um like, all of your forms for everything, like, you can't just, like, go downtown and ask for the form that mm -hmm. you need anymore. It's right. a, they're going to say, go online and print it out. So we have to be there so okay. that we can help people with that. Well, you know, this interview is shaping up to be something other than what I intended. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I think it's for it's a good, good reason because it's leading me to have a better understanding. Uh, originally, when we talked was you, you participated in the demonstrations yeah. mm -hmm. in the summer. But what I'm getting from what you're telling me is you have a life of service. Yeah. You're about serving people and uh, filling gaps, and which is what the library really is. Mm -hmm. You know, if you spend some time and talk to the people, they're passionate about what they do. For sure. But every meeting I've been to, they've always talked about how do we help someone. Mm -hmm. And so I'm seeing that in you. So there's no <laughs> surprise now. If I hadn't known it before, I'd have brought you some water out there or something. But, right. <laughs> but, but I didn't know you were out there. Yeah. So you're out there. Summer of 2020 hits. Mm -hmm. It was late May. Yep. Early June. Mm -hmm. It's hot. Yes. Uh, and you decide, I need to be there. You, yeah. and, you and some of your friends. I did. Mm -hmm. So what? What? we know it's that service that's in you. But what else? What, what gets you there? Um. So it was hot. And we were wearing all black. We were doing a blackout for um, the June 7th um, protest that started in LaBauer Park. Mm -hmm. um, I was, first of all, like, I was outraged that another black man had been killed by police. Like, mm -hmm. and that nothing was going to happen because of it. Like, the pattern that we've seen so many times over and over before, like, things don't necessarily happen. Mm. Um Things don't necessarily change. Um, people's lives are torn apart and nothing changes. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought really that it was, I heard about the protest and I was like, the least I can do is be a body there to show like my support. Mm -hmm. Were you um, hesitant at all? No, no? Okay. not for me. Um, I know that's not going to be the case for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but I was, you know, like, there was a lot of media coverage about these things, about the protests becoming violent or, and things like that. But, like, I wasn't, I wasn't worried about that happening. Mm -hmm. um, 
and it didn't. Um, but even if it had, like, I wouldn't have regretted going. Mm -hmm. Um, and like the thing that really struck me more than anything was the, what wasn't being shown like by the media about the protests was, which was how supportive everybody was, um, how much everybody was taking care of each other. I mean, so so, like you go out there, it's hot. Mm -hmm. We're all wearing black. Um, there's people walking around handing out water bottles, handing out masks, handing out sunscreen, saying, hey, you don't have a sign. Do you want a sign? Like, mm. here's a sign. Um, here's, uh, here come, like, borrow my umbrella, get out of the sun for a little bit. Like, what are your pronouns? Um, like, which is huge. Um, that's not something that you hear every day. How does it make you feel? And I'm, I'm learning the pronoun yeah. game. <laughs> But um, how does that make you feel when someone takes the time to say, what What are your problems? Oh, my God. It's the best. Mm. It's it's incredible. It's so affirming. Um, as, like, for me, okay, so for me, it feels excellent because it's not something that I always get. It's something that I hope will eventually be so normal that it doesn't feel so amazing. Like, I love that it's a great experience every time for somebody to be like, hey, what are your pronouns? Like. How can I address you in a way that makes you most comfortable? Like, I hope that we get to a point where someone asking that is bare minimum, Mm. you know, like is not so like marvelously impressive that I get like so excited about it. Um, But for me right now, it's refreshing. It's nice to see. All right. Uh, You just gave me a quote. So, you know, one of the questions I had. And I sent you some of these, but it was, what can we do? What actions can mm. we take to create better relations amongst different races, right. um, particularly here in Greensboro? And I think you encapsulated it mm-hmm. just now. What are your pronouns? What are your pronouns? Yeah, it's it's a very easy question. Mm-hmm. How can I make you feel better? Mm-hmm. If everyone had that, and that's about service, too. Yeah. How can I serve you better? Mm-hmm. If everyone had that attitude, what a place this would be. Yeah. And so I'm going to take a break here. Okay. All right. I hate to because you're on the road. <laughs> and I want to get more. I want you to kind of paint a picture for our viewers about what it's like for you. Um, and it's what it's like for you to be out there doing the demonstrations. Mm. How that's changed your scope of Greensboro. How that's changed how you approach your job. Right. And uh, how we can uh, take bits and pieces and make people feel more comfortable about serving one another. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, we'll take a break, and we're back with Sam Smith. And uh, this is Rodney Dawson on History Notes. We'll be back in a moment. You've been listening to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. To learn more about this podcast and many more, visit our website at www.greensborohistory.org. Now let's listen in to History Notes. Welcome back. History Notes, the Greensboro History Museum's Education Department. We started this um, uh, podcast almost two years ago. Originally, I'm a former teacher. I always say that. I need to stop. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's funny how you do the do things for the simplest reasons. I used to hate doing lesson plans. And so when I took this job, I said, I'm going to make it easier. I'm going to try to make it easier for educators to put together a lesson plan. Mm. Thought this would be a great way to do it. If you have some content in here that maybe you could test students on, they could put their AirPods in and listen to it. And that's how they're studying for the test. Super cool. So, but it's involved into something that's that's been pretty cool. 
And uh, we've interviewed a lot of great guests, such as yourself, even Jesse Jackson. We had we had an opportunity to talk hey. to him this year. Wow! And um, and we're having a great opportunity to talk to you about your uh, your perspective of being involved in this protest movement, mm. where you have the killing of a black male, the death of a black male, George Floyd, in Minneapolis, and then it sparked some things that happened here. And it wasn't just what happened in Minneapolis, but other cases that mm-hmm. are germane to our area. And um. And this is one of the first times my mother participated in the civil rights movement mm. in marches back in the 1960s. And it was primarily African-Americans. You notice all across the country, and Greensboro was no exception, people from all different yeah. ethnicities and races were there. Matter of fact, I don't know, I would venture to say it may have been 50-50, if not more, if we were not in the minority out there. Right. So it's good for African-Americans to see that. Mm-hmm. And you may not necessarily, and I'm talking too much because I'm supposed to be interviewing you. You may not necessarily, historically, um, you can feel alone if it's just you. But when you see others, you start thinking, okay, I got a little inspiration. I'm a little, little hope-filled. But as a non-black right. uh, person, what what was what were your worries? Did you ever think, maybe I shouldn't be here because uh, I don't want to seem like I'm imposing or taking over? Or what were your thoughts? So I think the important thing, I'm, I'm white. Mm-hmm. Um, the important thing for me was, of course, I didn't want to impose, but I also knew that it was important for me to be there because um, I am white, but I'm also a member of a marginalized community and we have to stick up for each other mm-hmm. um, because like there are, there are things that I'm never going to face because I'm white. Mm-hmm. And for me to like not use that privilege to uplift and protect others is in itself like wrong. So I for me it was important to be there because people need to see that you know, they have allies. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I didn't want to impose on the space, but I think the importance, the way that you, as a white person, don't do that is you show up and you listen. Mm. I'm not the person who is leading the chance. I'm not the person who is, you know, speaking to the entire crowd. I'm not the person who is um, in the spotlight in this moment. Like, it's not about me. Right. It's about how I can help you. Right. Now, let me ask you, do you think, I've forgotten how I want to ask this question. (laughs) That's exactly how my brain works. Yeah. Does it help that you work for the library. Does and, that help push you out there because you, you've you been exposed to so many different marginalized communities? I'm not mm-hmm. trying to ask a leading question, but you're helping people in that in that vein every day. Mm-hmm. So does, it, does that help you say, I, I need to be here today? I think I've never thought of it in that sense. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, like, I am working with people every day who, like, 
who look like George Floyd, who look mm-hmm. like Marcus Smith. Like, I'm working with people who could have been killed. Like, and that's not to say that, like, oh, you sh- you can only empathize if you can, you know, relate to having to knowing somebody. Right, right. But, like, for me to be in a position of service in one aspect of my life, and then to not be in a position of service in other aspects mm-hmm. of my life doesn't coexist well. Yeah, and, and I'm certainly not suggesting that if you don't work for the library or, or <laughs> you're not in the service industry, you're not going to want to be out there. I'm sure right. there were hundreds, if not thousands, that were mm-hmm. that don't work uh, in, the, in that type of industry. I'm just saying, understanding I'm not tooting the horn. But that's the culture that I, in my two years, that's the culture I felt in the library's department. So it wouldn't surprise me to see any non-black person in the, that worked for the library's department out there. Right. Just because of the culture that I felt. Right. You know, even within the city and uh, their reaction to it. So how extensive was your involvement in the, doing the demonstrations? So I was able to attend um, just one of the demonstrations um, because various reasons work whatever um but i was able to attend the one on june 7th um that started in labauer park um marcus marcus smith's family um spoke and then we marched over to the courthouse okay um and so i was able to attend that one and you know i i showed my support in other ways like through donations and things like that because i was i'm in a position where i can Mm -hmm. um but being a physical body in a physical space also is a form of support. Right. Um, and I thought that was important for me to show. So on that day on June 7th, I believe it was hot that day. Yes, it was. And you got your, you're in all black. Mm-hmm. You're with some folks. Mm-hmm. We don't have to mention any names, but you, you uh, have some folks there yeah. with you. What kind of emotions do you, do you feel when you're out there? Are you happy, excited, and sad? What, what, what goes on in your mind? It's definitely complicated. Um, I was, it's energizing. Um, it was for me. Um, yeah, it was, it was hot and it was tiring and, um, emotions were running high and there was so much grief. Um, but it was also energizing to be around so many people who were like-minded Mm-hmm. Um, so many people who were coming together for a specific cause. Um, it was energizing to see people who looked like me, and it was energizing to see people who um didn't look like me, and it was amazing to like see your community. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and everybody's running around saying, "What's your pronoun?" Yeah, I, I I heard that a couple of times, mm-hmm. and I was I was so like refreshed by it, and it's something that I think like millennials and Gen Z are better at in general, mm-hmm. and like that's the majority of the crowd that was there okay. were people my age, yeah. um, and yeah, and I went with a couple of friends who are also members of the LGBTQ plus community, um, and to see, you know this like outpouring of love and support and 
to feel that and to feel like, oh, I am around, like, this is, like, my community. Mm. Like, this is a, a sense of belonging, like we were just talking about. Um, and we're, we're all, <laughs> to, uh, I hope you don't get, um, copyright banned but uh high school musical like we're all in this together <laughs> like, that's a little that's a little more um high energy than uh it probably was but it was it was great to see so many different kind of people come together and say like this is unacceptable and something needs to change and take care of each other have you ever felt that sense before in your time here? Um, you don't have to name the place. I'm just wondering how many times has it happened before. It's with a group of people that large. That's rare. Um, for me, like I have my friends, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of my friends are queer, and um. So, like, I get a sense of belonging there, mm -hmm. um, as as I would hope most people do with their friends. Um, but, you know, I am often the only queer person in the room. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it that can be very tiring. Mm -hmm. Um just like you said about sometimes being the only black man in a room. Like, I, it's not the same, obviously, mm -hmm. but like when I get that, I get a similar feeling when I've like come across somebody who is also in the LGBTQ plus community. Right. Um, like, if I come across somebody else who is non binary or if I come across somebody who is gay or a lesbian or anything, like, there is, there's a sense of connection with that person almost immediately because it's like, oh, like you feel safer. Right. Um, so like that sense of belonging in such a large crowd um, is not something that I'm used to. Right. Nor, um, nor am I. Right. Right. So I think what we're saying or what you're saying is, as I was writing down as you're talking, it's one of the few times that a large group of people can come together that are black, white, Hispanic, Asian, um, whatever pronoun you can throw in there. Mm -hmm. But they have one common unifying factor. Yeah. And uh, you like to think that that could be replicated uh, every day in this country. And mm -hmm. just the fact that we're all Americans, that could be the one that brings us together and has us asking, what are your pronouns? And it was, uh, as I'm thinking, great title for the exhibit. It's pieces of now, mm. uh, P-I-E-C-E-S. But as you were talking, I'm getting the other one, piece of now, mm. P-E-A-C-E. Yeah. A certain piece everybody coming together for right now. Let's see if we can keep that thing going. Yeah. And uh, not to mention COVID-19. We're masked oh up right now. Yeah. What, what did that play? Were you concerned about that? Um, A little bit. Um, It was everybody... It, all of the social media posts and everything like that were like, make sure you're wearing a mask, like, make sure that you're, you know, keeping distance where you can. Um, the fact that it was outside was a little bit more um, comforting. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a concern. Um, 
but I felt that as long as we, like, you know, followed safety precautions that were necessary and we were all masked up and everything like that, um, it, it didn't pose as much of a risk. Um, so it was, it was important to kind of be there anyway. Got you. And so as you're out there on June 7th, what's, what did you think about or whom did you think about? Um, so I thought about, like I said, there was a lot of, it's a, it's a really mixed bag of emotion that you get when you're dealing with, like, yeah, you have that sort of, like, euphoria of, like, belonging and that, that sense of, like, support and the, the, the love that you feel between each of the people that you interact with while you're there. Um, but there's also an overwhelming sense of grief. Like the reason that we have all come together is tragic. Mm -hmm. Um, Philip Marsh, one of the muralists, um, and an activist, uh, when I spoke to him, he said, we must not forget that this all came from black pain. Yeah. So I try to keep that at the forefront. Absolutely. But, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Um, that's incredibly insightful. Um, it is so important to remember that, like, the reason that we all came together for that should not have happened. Like, the reason that we came together is so that it does not happen again. Um, yeah, so, like, there are these gaping holes left in so many people's lives because of police brutality and because of racism and because of just this ignorance and violence and to see that answered with so much love is is huge yeah. but to, you also see it answered with anger and righteous anger um and grief and everybody's processing it in different ways so like it's it's almost overwhelming but like you have to keep as a white person like i have to hold that space mm -hmm. because if it's overwhelming for me what does it feel like for the um the person next to me who doesn't have white privilege <laughs> like mm -hmm. who like could for those very same reasons that George Floyd died die like mm. you know it's if it's if it's overwhelming for me it's 10 times that 100 times that for someone else mm. so you're thinking what's your pronoun how can I help you? What can I do? Yeah, it's a good metaphor. I'm, I'll tell you, I'm going to write it down. I'll give you credit for the first six hey. months. <laughs> for the first but, six months? <laughs> yeah, but after that, it's mine. Last question, and I want to ask you this. How has this made, how has this changed your experience? Um, when you walk into the job, has there anything you've taken from the summer, this whole, the media coverage, your involvement, has it changed you in a way that you, has it changed you at all, in, and particularly in the workplace? Um, I would, I would say so. Yeah. 
Um, I work, I'm the only white person in my branch. Um, so I have been able to gain insight on things that I never would have, you know, um, that again, because like I have white privilege, like racism is never going to affect me the same way that it affects my coworkers. So to learn their perspectives on things and to be included in those conversations and to be as receptive as I possibly can, like, it makes me a better person, it makes me a better ally, it makes me a better friend. Um, and everyone makes mistakes, I mess up, but, like, when you are receptive to criticism, to correction, um, it makes you a better person, in my honest opinion. And, um, being able to be of service in all of these ways is... Makes me better. Well, Sam Smith, you're just as impactful in life as the Grammy Award winning artist from England, Aww, Sam thank Smith. Thank you. Oh my gosh. He was also non binary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yeah. And uh, so I thank you for taking some time to spend with us on History Notes. And, you know, you're a fellow library department person, and I feel a certain kinship to you. And, uh, <laughs> I thank you for coming and visiting the, the exhibit. Um, I encourage everyone listening to uh, check it out as well. Please do. It's amazing. And uh, check out the, we actually got a virtual capturing, a 3D virtual capturing of it that I got to get up on the website soon. Yes. So, um, um, but you can tune in on this podcast to all our listeners and download it and check out uh, our social media handles, uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook to learn more and access the uh, podcast as well as Go on to our website, greensboroughhistory.org. You go to Discovery and Learn, then you'll see the podcast tab. And just search for this one uh, when it's up. And I just think this was uh, some time well spent. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Sam Smith, this has been uh, Rodney Dawson on History Notes. You've been listening to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. Just as you visit it for this podcast, continue to go to www.greensborohistory.org and select the Discover and Learn tab to listen again or learn more about many other subjects. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please stop by the museum when you can. We're located at 130 Summit Avenue, Greensboro. Hours vary, so visit our website or call 336-373-2043 for details. Once again, thank you and keep tuning in to History Notes.